3: Gentlemen, Cam, how yep. have you gotten through this week after the suspense that we left everyone in last week?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, uh, it's been tough. Just kind of um.
3: in one ear, out the other, I reckon. <laughs> you <know>. Oh, speak <laughs> yourself, mate. I've had to stop myself from Googling Paul Keating <laughs> to find out what happens. <laughs> Before we get there, Paul Keating had a mentor. A mentor. <laughs> a, a, a Dementor <laughs> <laughs> he was my mentor
2: <laughs> wait I'm so
0: confused what
3: <laughs> we're in suits when Harvey Spector talking about Cameron Dennis and he was like he was yeah he was my mentor and he can't pronounce Tor he doesn't he like, Men- <laughs> mentor <laughs> and like Jessica's yeah anyway is that is that, is that maybe that, maybe it's Josh that I used that quote I thought
0: we'd done that quote no, before yeah that doesn't ring any bells <laughs> um sorry well, so that's funny. Huh? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't think it's New Yorkian to, like, a mentor to yeah. not pronounce Tor. I think, yeah. You know. Yeah. If anything, it sounds more well,
0: ment- mentor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> coffee. I've got i <laughs> from <my> mentor. <laughs>
3: so, he had a mentor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we port have,
3: hate, we, ha- it. we have actually said who his mentor was on the pod before. Any guesses? Oh, it's Goff. It's not golf. What? It Gough. What? Saddam Hussein. We talked about it in the Gough Whitlam episode. We didn't.
2: What? When did we talk about Manuel it? Manuel Noriega. <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> I
3: haven't meant it. You're going to kick yourselves when I tell you who. Um, but I'm enjoying this too much. The uh, audience can deal with this infuriation if they already <laughs> know the answer. Guys, we're going to keep going. It's your lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't bother me. Um, mm. So I'll, I'll edit out all the. Ooh, ah, um. Mm. And I'll just say seamless. It is. Is it like a a like a prime minister, or is it just like a no? Yeah, okay, a
0: little backbencher, or a cabinet member, or someone.
3: Um we'll kick yourselves because we we said on the pod, and this person then tutored Paul Keating. Oh, did this we This really- person did what? And then tutored Paul Keating. Tutored. What does it look like to tutor someone in politics? So Paul Keating was the driver for this person, and he drove them around different places. And this and that has had car chats, and this oh, person,
2: oh, the the state guy, right?
3: Yeah. Wait, the corrupt one? No,
2: Not Joby Ocky, no, Joby O'Keepederson. peterson I might keep all the R's and ums in there, <laughs> <laughs> it's the New South Wales guy. Yeah, and you, I mean, he's you. you I, I remember his seat was like Auburn as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> remember. Come on, sir! Surely we're close enough, sir. Come on, sir! <laughs> oh, I'm as I enjoying this
3: much. You literally know the state seat of this person, yeah. but not his name. Like state seats are niche. There's yeah, like a, there's yeah. a fair few in the shire. This is all you, this is Jacob. Premier episode. Yeah. That we talked about it. Yes. This is a radio show. We'd get people
0: to ring in, but uh, we can't.
2: So they just have to sit through this. Not <laughs> the Joe Bielke. Uh, not Joe. <laughs> The Jack Lang. Ah, there we go. Is
3: it Jack Lang? It's Jack Lang. Ah, okay. Jackie I boy. I picture
2: Jack Lang. Was he? I picture him. He's like pre World War Two, though. Right?
3: Yeah, he, yeah, he was. So, so he so yeah. he was premier in the nineteen thirties or nineteen twenties, even, but yeah. ended in the nineteen thirties. And he, when Paul Keating was premier before
2: Keating might have been born. No.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Keating wasn't born in the twenties. Keating yeah. was born. 40s, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And so, when, like we said on the Bob Hawke episode, Keating dropped out of school at 15.
0: Mm. Mm.
3: And when he... It's interesting, if you listen to him speak, I can't remember which interview this was on, but one of them, he basically just said, in a class of 30, I was ranked about eight or nine. Maybe three people finished year 12 in our class. One went to university. Interesting. Mm. So, he was like... And he was from like Parramatta, Auburn or... Bankstown. Bankstown. Okay, yeah. He yeah. said that, yeah. So, Bangstown through and through until he moved to Potts Point And yep. then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And game and Lost game. To game. <laughs> so, Keating grew up with, like, his dad was a labour guy through and through. He would do the pamphlet drives at age 15. Really interestingly, Keating mentioned someone to... I won't get you to guess it because don't want to <laughs> risk it. We're already at flight 57. You can <laughs> edit some of it. We, <laughs> you know. So, Ke- Keating mentioned there was one person who was his political inspiration. It might surprise you if I told you it was Winston Churchill. Mm. Okay. because Winston Churchill was not... He wasn't in the Conservative Party. He wasn't in the Labour Party. Uh, Tory. And so... Also not heaps. We'll of, fight like, them on the beaches. What was the
0: Australian sentiment towards Churchill at that point? Like,
3: Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, exactly. And not, not good. Like, it, yeah. on, So Churchill kind of screwed over Australia in World War II, and Keating will go on to argue that exact point. Mm. But the reason why he loved Churchill was basically... <clears throat> He said when he grew up, he could never understand, because he was born during World War II, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He could never understand why people didn't oppose Hitler when he was at his weakest. And that was, that was his, his, whole sh- his whole argument, was that Hitler was really weak on the back of World War I. They could have mm-hmm. easily stopped him if they had the stomach for it, but they didn't have the stomach. Yet Churchill basically defied his own party to not make peace with the Nazis. And the understanding was that Churchill would come in after Neville Chamberlain and make a deal with the Nazis. And he didn't. And Keating's like the moral clarity that that guy had to come in and not make peace. He's like, I didn't really like anything other that Churchill really did. I don't think Churchill would have made a great peacetime prime minister or anything, but to have the moral clarity to do that in leadership, that's the man that I want to be. And so that really drove his ambition to enter politics. And so at age 15, he dropped out of school. I think it was 15. It was like 14 15. It was some, sometime really young. Mm-hmm. And then he was involved in like doing labor pamphlet drives and that sort of thing. Um, and he rose through the party in a very unconventional way. And basically his tutor was Jack Lang. And he would go to his labor branch and basically be like, Hey, I want to meet with all these retired people. Mm-hmm. Can I gain their expertise and gain their wisdom anyhow? And the advice that Jack Lang gave Paul Keating is they, they say you've got decades to make you move. The truth is you haven't a second. Do not wait. Do not let the moment pass you. Paul Keating also said this, that basically his grandfather and his dad died at quite young. I think they were in their 50s. I can't remember the quote verbatim. Yeah, I've got it on the main channel. You can look at the video on the main channel about Paul Keating. And they died quite young and... Keating was like what if I die young people say I'm a young guy I can wait till Bob retires but I don't have a second to spare okay mm, and that fuels his ambition yeah. and so we left last week with Keating challenging Hawk for the leadership and the challenge was unsuccessful and Keating was pretty much resigned to retiring from politics and he just you watch him there's videos of Hawk speaking in Parliament and then Keating's just right at the back kind of slumped at 45 minutes so I didn't need to move back there just to make my <laughs> point. You can you know what forty five degrees is something to a forty five degree angle. Yeah. I don't know, I find myself at a lot of meetings in that position. <laughs> Even meetings that I'm quite engaged with, I just naturally yep. move to the forty five degree angle quite instinctively. And so Keating was pretty much done. It was gone. Mm. But down he, and out. He'd be checked out. But he becomes the Prime Minister. Wow.
2: How does he get back, oh my
0: it's like when they, um, like in a TV show where they, you know, they show you the ending scene and then
3: you're like, how did we get here? <laughs> yeah. You're probably wondering. <laughs> 12 hours earlier. Yep. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, mentioned that John Houston was the opposition leader during this time. Yeah. John Houston launched a campaign called Fight Back. So, Fight Back Against Unemployment and Inflation. And the economy wasn't in a great spot. Remember what Keating's quote was about, the state of the uh, negative state of the economy. The recession we needed to have. Exactly. And so, basically, Hawke is sliding in the polls really badly. And he hung on in 1990, but with the next election around the corner in 1995, 1993, I should say, I'm thinking too far ahead there, 1993, next election around the corner in 1993, probably going to lose. And for the first time, Hawke is now no longer the preferred leader between the two parties. And this is the most popular leader that they've had. And everyone's kind of seeing that Hawkey's running out of steam a little bit on terms of policy. Mm. So he's, he's got the statesmanship thing down pat and, you know, great decorum in meeting with world leaders, great image for the party, but his finger's starting to get off the pulse with policy and his cabinet is almost having too much independence and he doesn't really know the ins and outs of policy anymore. So... They asked Keating, why did he challenge a second time? Keating's, this is such a Keating way of phrasing it. Keating was like, no, I was drafted. They wanted me. and that <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know someone who, um, different workplace, not my workplace, asked for the job and asked for like the opening. And I know for a fact they said, like, can I have this job? And kind of forced their way in and got the okay. job. Yeah. Mm. And in subsequent stories has explained how they came knocking to her. They approached, her. yeah. And <laughs> and to be fair, I think Keating actually was genuinely conscripted by Labour. Mm. So Keating challenges a second time. Keating thought he was done. And what
2: cause, So what causes the distrust for Hawke after he had previously been favoured over Keating?
3: Like anyone, it's a long time in office will cause you to go stale in the eyes of the public, and it was the fact that now Hawke is behind Houston as preferred leader. Yeah. If you're yeah. the leader in power, and the liberals yeah, yeah, had cycled it. between, <laughs> so they went from Howard to Peacock to Houston, and they'd eventually go to a guy called Alexander Downer. After that, yeah. then back to Howard, so they cycle between the leaders really quickly. If one of those like five leaders is now a more preferred yeah. leader than you in the polls, that's going to cause Labor to really lose trust in in and in, in Bob how Hawk. much.
2: Longer after this was from the 91. A couple of months. Only a
3: couple of months. Yeah, end of 91. Okay. Okay. So Keating wins 56 votes to 51. Mm. And Keating is now the prime minister. Mm -hmm. Very ironic twist to the end of Bob Hawke's political career. Bill Hayden. Remember him all the way back to last week. Mm. He was the leader that Bob Hawke kind of dethroned when he got parachuted in in 1980 remembering that. Yeah, yeah. Bill Hayden, one of Bob Hawke's policies was he firstly had Bill Hayden as foreign minister, then he had him as governor general. When the prime minister resigns, who do they hand their resignation to? Governor general. Governor general. The guy that Bob Hawke dethroned received ah. his letter of resignation. Mm. But now Paul Keating was in and he was the prime minister. And it was weird because as not the leader, Keating could be bad cop. And Keating could afford to be the kind of bully within mm. the, the cabinet. But now as Prime Minister, he's expected to be the statesman and mm. expected to, to be a bit more controlled, kind of like Trump yeah. going from candidate to actual actually being the president. Mm. I don't know if,
0: I don't know if Trump did end up making much of that change. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I remember that it, was, it was really weird when so Obama just say so Trump rags on Obama obviously throughout his whole campaign. And then there was like a month or two where they got on really well. And he was like, the Obama regime has... I'm not going to do the, the impersonation. We can just <laughs> do it, fake it later. But the Obama regime has been amazing, amazing in helping me transition. And yeah, okay. it was like, oh, maybe this guy can... And then just like a month later, it was like, Obama's white. I'm yeah, because no. yeah, it was always like such like
0: diplomacy before that was always like so like carefully worded. And now he just just write these like flagrant tweets just <laughs> when they come to mind and it's like, okay, right, well. Which he's I, just real, you know? He yeah, just tells us yeah, how he, it is. A lot of the people.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not behind his management speak, Lingo Jingo. <laughs> now, the issue for Keating, so Keating came into as prime minister. He's like, we're going to get the economy cracking. If you're a liberal opposition, if you're John Houston, how would you counter that point? And he he's like, we're going to focus on the economy and we're going to get the economy cracking. Well, you just point to that. it's like,
0: well, you've had us in a recession the last, like whilst you've been in office, what's going to change? Exactly. You were treasurer. You were like, yeah. What do you mean <laughs> get the economy
3: cracking? That was your portfolio. <laughs> you know? And Keating didn't necessarily mean that now it was time to change everything, but he was very much the belief that the recession had now run its course. The recession that we needed to have had it run its course. Let's do some public spending and let's start actually reshaping the economy once again. hmm and so now it was for another era of reform. Unemployment was at 11%. So actually worse than Malcolm Fraser had left it in 83. Keating's disapproval rating was at 68%. Yeah, wow. So Keating is a really divisive... So his approval was quite high, but his disapproval was quite high as well because they're not the same mm. question. Mm. So if you poll an audience back, do you approve of Paul Keating? More than 50% would say Yes if you call people and like, do you disapprove of Paul Keating? More than 50% of people would say yes because they're not exactly the same question.
2: Yeah, sure.
3: And so he was loved and hated at the same time. There was very little in between.
2: Polarising.
3: Now, as Prime Minister, Paul Keating's economic reforms were not as significant as when they were treasurer. Because we think back to like last week, PY was just wanting James McManus Tarzos to be the topic of conversation again. (laughs) As we did franking credits, as we did the floating of the Aussie dollar and we uh, sorry the capital gains tax we, we looked at a lot of different policies mm. he has one incredibly significant one as Prime Minister though super mm. Bronze, has things, so Ben's got a grow. Ben's Ben's dad is quite across the finances so 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 we speak yes yeah he works in super <laughs> kind of thing has he had the super chat with you yet just like son. You need to put more onto your super no he was he was actually like
0: he's been having the, that chat like it's not sit down and have one chat now mm-hmm. he's been you know planting that seed for years <laughs> um, yeah he was getting me all on like the government co-contributions and stuff where you get the like you put in a thousand you get 500 when you're under 21 yeah like he was he knew the ins and outs he's a big super fan <laughs> <laughs> and how could you not be i've been reading the barefoot investor recently as well actually and he's, oh. he's um <laughs> Talking about how important super is. Oh, so. I got
2: asked during the week if my salary was inclusive or exclusive of super. Mm. I had no idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just know, but like I was kind of nervous. I panicked. Did you, did you just say one and
3: stick to it? Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> What'd you say? Exclusive. <laughs> that's the that's, yeah. that's the bolder one. <laughs> uh, For a charity, that's pretty hard. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, silly. The issue. So there's kind of two prongs to super. There's 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 the macroeconomic factor, and then there's the personal financial factor as well. Mm. Paul Keating, as treasurer, was basically briefed on a huge issue that we had, where the retirement age and the ageing of the population is going to be really significant in the 21st century. So mm. we got people just living for decades longer than they used to, and People are being forced to work older, but for a lot of manual labor jobs, people are physically incapable of working older. How are we going to make sure that they survive on, on, for a long period of time? The first answer is is give them a pension, but that's just going to drain the money from the, from, from the government if you're giving 30-year pensions.
0: Mm.
3: So how can we create a private pension, so to speak? That was kind of the theory that was going on. Keating was also a big guy on opening up and liberalizing the economy, and he wanted more capital into the country. So allowing foreign banks to come into the country was one way of doing that. How else can you stimulate the economy and create more investment, get it out of the bank account and get it into the business sector and get companies like Ben's dad, who's an entire company himself, using people's, using (laughs) people. I don't know what you think my dad does.
0: (laughs) Um, So he's he's in wealth management, right? No, no. He works for APRA. Oh, Um, does he? Yeah, Ah.
3: used to work at like AMP. AMP, I remember that. Yeah, in super. Okay. Glad we're aligned on that. (laughs) But but okay, so so, so then how do you get formally people like Ben's dad to to use that to actually invest and stimulate the economy? Hmm. You make your pension compulsory and you make employers set aside a certain percentage of people's salary to then be invested into the economy. And it's great because it, A lot of people, the way that they'd sort their retirement funds is in property, but that's not actually, that's just putting it in a house that stays there and effectively that's hiding it under the bed. Now, sure, that will go up individually in value for the particular person, but it doesn't stimulate the entire economy Mm. because it goes into a still asset. Whereas if you put it into companies and you invest in companies, they can then use that money, which then stimulates the economy, which allows more employment and the cycle continues after that. And so Keating was like, okay, super, you can get the best of both worlds. Number one, it sorts the retirement issue. Number two, it stimulates the economy and it gets more capital coming into the country. There was a lot of pushback. Really? Well, think about it. Who, if so, employers have to pay a percentage of people's salary. Mm. There's two issues. Number one, employers, a lot of employers weren't happy because it was considered an extra cost. Katie's argument was in the economic growth, it's not a cost at all for you. You're going to gain heaps of money by doing this. And then number two, there was a lot of people who wanted to have complete control over their retirement fund, mm. which you still can, but this was kind of the less common process. To, you can do self-managed super, of course, yeah. but again, as it was coming in, people didn't know the ins and outs of it and were just, just heard, you can't control your retirement fund. And that was the messaging that was given to them. It surprises me. Like, I don't know how you view super, but I view it as like taking money
0: out of your salary rather than the company paying something on top of your salary, like for example, when I get like in my contract, it was inclusive of super. So I like yeah. I earn this amount of money, but I'm just forced to save ten percent of it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to I earn this amount and then the company pays this amount more on top of that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, th- so it's it, it it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the, the companies kind of starting this, Cating needed needed them to make the payments. So and- they
0: they just added that on top of wages rather than deducting ten percent.
3: Well, yes, because, and 10% was... Well, that came a lot later down the track. So it started at 1%, then 2%, and then yeah. they would add to it each financial year. And in return, Keating gave... Cor- slash the corporate tax rate in return for them making compulsory super contributions to people's super. Yeah. So Keating... He act- he, I saw an interviewer was asked on what his great regret in life was. It was that he didn't put into law that it that the super would go up to to fifteen percent, and that 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 super wouldn't be capped at what would come to be ten percent then nine point five percent so he his great regret was he should have put it in law and not just trust that Howard or whoever would be the next leader would follow the guarantee of having it go all the way up to fifteen percent, and that was his great regret that they didn't put it into law because Howard then actually scaled it back mm. and so super also has kind of the effect on the economy of it gives the working class a heck of a lot of more money than what they would have had by the time they retire. Mm. And it allows them to actually have a fair amount of social mobility too. And it completely revolutionized the economy. It was like a huge, huge change. And America, you've got like your 401k, which is basically your super, but it's not implemented on anywhere near the same level. And... One of Keating's main arguments was, again, this gave the lower classes a chance at wealth that had never been given to them before. Mm. And as the barefoot investor is picked up on, you know, your your super is, yeah, <laughs> your he, future. Yeah, he spoke very highly of it. <laughs> did he did he speak much about? I haven't read it in like since I was like eighteen. I was like, oh, stocks. Did he speak of Keating at all on it? Does he discuss Keating? No, no, he just discusses it as like what it
0: is now. And, you know, maybe you should, yeah, I think he, I think he says actually, he doesn't cite Keating, but he says that you should pay 15% kind of Mm. thing, like that you should sacrifice more of your salary to it because of the store of wealth that it is. I mean, which is fair. Like, I guess it's, you're, you're just getting someone that's good at investing to invest it and make money off it and you get tax breaks. Like, seems fair. To-
3: yeah, I, like yeah, like you, you read the Barefoot Investor, and like yeah, you know, go. I was working at Super Bar when I first read it, and I had like you know like six bucks in Super or whatever it was, <laughs> and you read it, and it yeah, you know, tells the stories of the guys that get like eight hundred thousand in, in retirement funds from being like a vacuum cleaner or whatever, mm. and you're like, this is it, like yeah, compound yeah. interest, this yeah. is it? <laughs> eighth wonder of the world, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way forward. And so that was that was the signature reform. So Keating cut the corporate tax rate from thirty nine percent to thirty three percent to get businesses on side. And basically, this was actually a really successful reform. The other argument is like the argument of liberty. So like you said, because it's compulsory and it's it's inclusive. Super, is it right that a government decides and kind of takes the autonomy out of your hands as to where your money goes? and m- makes it inaccessible for you to access now, even though you've worked for that money, look, it's a necessary sacrifice, would be. <laughs> well, I think if you're going to then, if you're not willing
0: to let the government do that, what right do you have to come and ask for a pension then, right? Like, yeah, it's sort of, it's a two-way street. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, I don't, maybe that's
3: just a, like economic <laughs> economic leftist that I am. Socialist <laughs> brainwashing <Yeah>. that <to> you <laughs> Ben Shapiro would not be happy with you right now. You would have lost liberty points on that one. Yeah, seriously, this draconian system that we live under. <laughs> the other key economic reform that Keating made mm-hmm. as prime minister was that he privatised uh, a whole bunch of industries. The big one, not industries today, um, companies. The big one that he privatised is the Commonwealth Bank. What so, bank three different installments. He sells it off for private ownership, and again, Commonwealth Bank. The, the, the kind of theory was that it could always rely on having government money. So it was pretty um pretty careless with its loans that it gave, that it wasn't really a functioning to complete efficiency. Mm. And so that's where Keating would sound like Ben Shapiro a lot because he was like, let's privatise this thing. And a lot, and I mean a lot of Labor guys hate Paul Keating for privatising the Commonwealth Bank because they really hate privatisation. And government services ensures proper funding, ensures that shortcuts aren't taken to maximize profit. Keating's counter argument to that would be, I don't agree with the privatization of essential services. So yeah, don't privatize hospitals, don't privatize prisons because the end goal for those companies is not efficiency, it's service. Mm. But for a bank, it's not an essential life, life service, it's actually just managing money. Like it is an essential service for the economy, but not an essential service in terms of like... Is efficiency the end goal for a bank? Probably. That that was his argument. Mm. And so that one's really divided Labour left and Labour right ever since. And there were very vigorous debates within the Labour branch as to whether, and in Labour branches, as to whether this should have been done or not. Mm. What do you think? I think it was a good move. Fair. But I guess I am a right wing sellout. I have right. given up on the, on the revolution. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I think Keating's case is strong that you, for a, for a bank, you, they need to be competitive within the banking industry. Yeah. And they, I, I think you use the phrase, kill what you eat. So no, you can't rely on the government just giving you money to bail you out. If you make bad loans or whatever, mm. you have to be really conscious with, with the, with who you loan to and providing good loans and getting it Right. And we need you to be competitive in the economy. Because if you have to compete against all these other banks that I've brought into the into the country, that's going to be better for everyone as you compete against each other for better rates and better loans.
0: Mm.
3: So I know I'm sounding pretty much like like Ben Shapiro right now. Oh, no,
0: I, I think i back you on that. But I, I think,
3: like, like, think privatization is a delicate balance. I think some things you do absolutely privatize. Of course, privatizing hospitals, privatizing prisons, anything like that, I'm completely against at the scale that the Liberal Party did. Privatising yeah. roads, again, not for that. Silly. Mm. But I think for the banking one he got right. Okay. Interesting. But heaps of Labour voters would disagree with me on that. Which is cool. At the, at the end the, at the end of the day, if the civil converse, if the discourse is should this bank have been privatised, that is respectful yeah. disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're in a good spot as a as yes. country. <laughs> well that's why I really liked the last state election was that it was actually policy that was being discussed rather than culture war mm. stuff. Yeah. And so those were some pretty significant economic reforms that Kenny made. He also privatised Qantas.
2: Uh.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Qantas is still... Like, it's still
0: linked to the government in some respect, right? Like, it's the sort of national carrier for, like, important people and stuff, isn't it?
3: And so privatisation never completely happens in one go. So they they always sell off instalments at a time. Yeah. So, like, when Howard privatised Telstra... He did it in three installments. The first two being, if I'm not mistaken, in the late 90s. And then the last one actually being, I think 2006 was when he sold the last share of Telstra for a pretty huge sum of money. So mm. you can you can have majority private ownership, but still heavy government ownership of, of these big government companies. Yeah. And, and, to, and to, <laughs> to hear from some more companies, now this.
1: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. So we just spoke about how much
3: we love issues of substance and not talking about culture wars. Mm. So let's keep that conversation going. Big question around Paul Keating when he came to office. Will his wife, his wife at the time, Anita, would she give the Queen a curtsy or not? PI's <gasps> ears have pricked up. <laughs> the, the crowd. <laughs> the monarchist. <laughs> have Have you watched Harry and Megan, the Netflix documentary, yet?
2: No. no. I don't think, yeah, it's not on the list, to
3: be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> PI watches a bit of telly, so it's, <laughs> it's not on the list. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. Where where, where 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 do you roughly fall on Harry and Megan? I don't care. Are you Piers I, Morgan or are you who's in their corner? I don't know. Megan's mum. Yeah. <laughs> where do you fall on the spectrum from from Piers Morgan to Megan's mum? Yeah, like no, you go.
2: I don't, you go. I really I don't think you're going to get much out of me because I just <laughs> I don't really think about it. I don't I'm <laughs> um yeah and i don't even i don't even know enough about the issue that i could speak to <laughs> speak to like oh no poor them or like no they suck i I couldn't even i couldn't even strongly mm. say either of those with assertiveness
0: yeah like i i i similarly don't care a whole lot i feel like she's just i don't know people like think what she's a bit selfish she didn't yeah. want to play by the rules of the monarchy yeah. and
2: Rachel Zane, not my favourite character on Suits. She is a bit annoying. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm Team Jenny, I think, for Mike. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I was Team Jenny too. Mm. Had a bit more about it. Had that Brooklyn authenticity. Or even that other girl
2: who had the affair with Mike, though.
3: Wait, what? No, Mike didn't have an affair.
2: No, no. The other... Like, the girl had the affair with Mike. Tori,
3: I think, maybe? As in his... As in the... Patrick J. Adams' his actual wife. Oh, early on in the no, series. No, no, no,
2: no. Like, oh, uh, ah, yeah, your Tess. She sort of. Yeah. He sort of ends Tess.
0: their their relationship to that. Yeah. Guy. yeah. Okay. Yes. Tess. Yes. Yes.
3: And um, then yeah, there's also the uh, the other girl. Who is his actual wife in real life? Yeah. I'm 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 team her. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay.
3: Now to come full circle. <laughs> Basically, did she that, in that Harry and Meghan documentary? Meghan's like, and they when I met Harry's grandmother and it's like, the, the queen. <laughs> mm. um, I didn't realise, so you're apparently supposed to curtsy her? It's like, oh. Why would no <laughs> one tell her? <laughs> I mean, look, my finger's not hugely on the monarch's pulse. I think that's, a, that's the sheer knowledge. Oh, I, or at least worth an ask. Yeah. Like, maybe how should I introduce myself to her? And mm. she was like... That's on Harry. Harry's got to prep her, surely. Well, a, a, her, her argument was that as, as I was like super outrageous and super like out of touch how out of touch the Royals are. Mm. I mean, maybe it's the Englishman coming out of me here, but I'm like, your argument is that they are behind the scenes the exact way they are in public. Mm. That's not a scandal. That's authenticity. (laughs) Anyway, Paul Keating basically throughout the late 80s and early 90s uh, at the Labor Party conferences, basically they agreed to follow a Republican position and the Republican sentiment was pretty strong within the Labor Party. And Paul Keating spearheaded that. And Paul Keating is a huge Republican. Far, the biggest Republican Prime Minister we've had, even more so than Turnbull. That's in, mm. in, in, in recent history. And Keating had kind of piped off about the Queen and then the Queen was coming out to visit Australia. a mm. Bit of a difficult one for Keating because mm. he'd been uh, talking smack. Yeah. And now she was here. Yeah. So when Keating visited the Queen... He, uh, so Anita didn't curtsy. She <gasps> so declined to curtsy. Damn. Paul Keating was was civil, um, but he kind of gently pushed her from her back as he oh. kind of like ushered her in, like in a way that you would do to anyone. Mm. Like, he touched um, her. He touched the queen. What? And so the the British press <laughs> called him. The Lizard of Oz. <laughs> the Lizard of Oz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he was doing the rounds in, in the British tabloids. Yeah, could you imagine someone just in the sun or the mirror just, like, cooking up that headline? Yeah. Like, oh, we've done it, guys. <laughs> I think I got a real should, zinger here. <laughs> they should really
3: move into the YouTube thumbnails now. Their <laughs> talents are wasted. And so there's that. Keating has discussed how the conversation went. And he was like, yeah, he basically his argument is like, yeah, it was a bit of a tough one. So I kind of had to sit her down and basically try and tell her that she's irrelevant in a way that's kind of courteous. Mm. Yeah. And he was like, on, a, on a, an, individual, in an individual level, I quite like Queen Elizabeth. That oh, was yeah. his argument. He was like, hard, hard not to. She yeah. embodies what it means to be a head of state. Mm. But my argument is that an Australian head of state should be an Australian. And it doesn't matter who you are. I don't want you as my head of state if you're not Australian. Great countries don't have other heads of states. Don't co- great countries don't have other countries' flags in their flag. Yep, That was his argument. Mm-hmm. And so basically, you had to sit her down and say, hey, we think you're pretty irrelevant and the sentiment within our party and growing sentiment within the country is that we should be a monarchy. We should be a Republican, I sh- republic, yep. I should say. Apparently, the Queen took that really well. Mm. Apparently, the Queen was like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course I know that. No, no drivers. Yeah. Lizzie, she's always finger on she the pulse didn't she bite
2: back she's like no no this is why i should be here yeah this she was like why, this is why i'm relevant
3: she was like you do make whatever call you, you want to make but mm-hmm. i still am your head of state while i'm here yeah and apparently it was, it was all, all well and good really courteous mm. it was growing because you have how popular queen elizabeth was there was a growing movement to have australia bear republic when she died they didn't know how long it would be till she died keating vehemently rejected that keating was like it just won't happen. It was like when she, when she dies, she's going to be lionized and the Monica sentiment will be at an all time high. Mm. And he was like, also it's just weak. Like don't wait for someone to die. That was, that was his kind of point. And I mean, I
0: guess he's right in the sense that, (laughs) you know, who's it's, it's sort of over now in terms of if like everyone was very pro monarchy, queen was great. And anyone that talked about the Republic debate was like, now's not the time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Someone
0: what you're saying is not helpful.
2: <laughs> someone who's a really big advocate for the republic is uh, Craig Foster.
3: Oh, <laughs> really? I, I actually, I, I could totally believe that. Um, LinkedIn posts like
2: every day about it. Damn. Yeah, he's, he's pushing it. <laughs> I think.
3: Yeah. I, I. For those who don't know, Craig Foster is a Australian football commentator. I, political activist. Yes, I find him a little bit annoying, TBH. I don't think he's wrong on everything. No, no, definitely. But I'm like... I, I, I Sometimes rem- he's annoying. He's the enlightened SBS commentator. That's the thing that kind of... Mm. I'm the Australian who understands the global things that go on. Mm, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that very much yeah. annoys me about um, Craig Foster. Mm. I was like, you played for Crystal Palace. Like, let's, you know, <laughs> let's be real here. Yeah. Le- you played for Crystal Palace refugees. in the name. <laughs> yeah So Keating's other big foreign policy uh, drive that he was kind of moving towards was he wanted to move Australia out of what we call the Anglosphere. So the mm. Commonwealth plus America.. Yeah. And he's like, the future of Australia is in Asia, not from Asia. Why on earth would we kind of go to America go to the Americans and try and use them as protection from Asia when we could provide provide protection for everyone in Asia? and use Asia to provide our protection. And so he was a big believer in opening up talks with Asia. So he pushed George H.W. Bush to upgrade APEC and kind of make it more comprehensive. He was pretty cold towards that, but that was also because he was pretty busy, you know, trying to take take down drug wars in Panama that he'd previously given $100,000 to a year for. Mm -hmm. So then Bill Clinton came in, And Paul Keating was very, Clinton was very supportive of Paul Keating. And basically Clinton affirmed that APEC needed to be upgraded and he had them actually all out to Seattle and they had an APEC meeting in Seattle. Where Keating really disagreed with Clinton on was what to do with Russia when the Soviet Union fell. Keating was like, there's one country in the world that at that point, because China wasn't as developed yet, yeah, there's one country in the world that can take down the United States, and take wipe them out. It's Russia. Yeah. Why on earth, when the Soviet Union fell, when we could create a, like a, a world without kind of two conflict or uh, two rising countries against it or two powerful countries against each other, finally this is an opportunity to not have a bipolar world. Why on earth would we go and aggravate them by opening up all these NATO countries on their doorstep, and going to them, and want, wanting NATO? wanting them to be involved in NATO.
0: Mm. And so he
3: was really annoyed with Bill Clinton for doing that. And he still maintains it to this day. He's like, yeah, Clinton stuffed that one up. And that was a wasted opportunity to rebuild Russia. And basically his argument is Putin's a terrible guy, but we created Putin. Mm. Mm. And he's, he's kind of said that ever since. He made an official alliance with Indonesia, and for him, that is the most important country we could have an alliance with. Why would Indonesia be the best ally?
2: The closest, not the closest, but they are close geographically.
1: Um, close to China Bali. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap flights to
0: Bali. <laughs> it's true, like, rugby league players need their end of yeah. season
1: trip. Like what? Where else are you going to get Southern Cross tattoos? Then? <laughs>
3: Yeah, so it's basically... It's the Great Wall of Australia. If mm. you have a strong Indonesia that you're on good terms with, yeah. they're your first line of defence against any southward advance from any country. And so Keating was like, Indonesia, Indonesia, Indonesia. Does
2: Indonesia go... It goes
3: above PNG? No. It goes above... I'm trying to remember, Borneo... Like, the, the, the Eastern Islands and in Borneo, they are above... They're not above PNG. They're above Darwin. Yeah. I can't... I Look, I can't remember the scale. I can't remember how far it goes out. Yeah. But yeah, not PNG. Okay. Um, so, they're, they're our best line of defence against anyone moving through. Mm. Because if you're going to advance southwards on mm. land, you'd have to go through Indonesia. Naval-wise, naval you can cross the South China Sea and make moves straight further south through the Philippines, through to Papua New Guinea.
1: Yeah.
3: But... The way the Japanese advanced was they primarily advanced through land, through yeah. other countries like Malaysia and Indonesia. Yeah. So his whole argument was a strong Indonesia is the best protection against Australia. Mm-hmm. Best protection for Australia, I should say. So he worked on that alliance and one of his last moves in office was to actually sign the Australia-Indonesia security deal. And one of the reasons why he's so anti-AUKUS right now, I don't know if you've watched that AUKUS video. I've seen clips of it, yeah. I, if I'd i highly recommend watching the whole thing. It's it's amazing. Is like he just journalist after another. Well, you suck. And here's why you suck. And just kind of he goes to town. And his primary argument is it annoys Indonesia. And having nuclear subs near Indonesian oceans annoys them. And that's going to be worse for our national security than having these subs in the first place. Hmm. So he was a huge Indonesia guy. Paul Keating, when did he leave office? Oh. Remember that prime ministers so, in your year six yeah, classrooms? Yeah. The timeline I was, do. and we were in Mrs. Cooper's classroom. We would have had the same. Yeah. Was John Howard immediately after? Yes, he would have been. Yeah, and so,
2: Howard was in for twelve or thirteen years.
3: May, eleven years? May he was uh, he was eleven. Maybe 11 maybe years. he might have reached twelve if. I can't remember what so, time of the year each election was.
2: Kevin 07. Mm. So Kevin 07 minus minus eleven. What mm. does that get us, Jake? Is that nineteen ninety
3: six? Well, that is an ama- ama- like that is ten marks for showing you're working yeah. out. <laughs> 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 yeah, so even night-
0: if you got the last calculation wrong, you yeah. still get four or <laughs> <Yeah>. five.
3: <laughs> so Keating came in, in ninety one and he left in ninety six. Yeah. So he won an election in between, nineteen ninety three. No one expected Paul Keating to win that election. Mm. Even Paul Keating speaks volumes of his character. Oh, I, was I was I <laughs> was, I was so he... hoping you'd catch on. <laughs> A man who wins the
2: unwinnable election.
3: <laughs> I we have I, that's the, that's the, We have so thoroughly analysed. Every moment of that young schoolies, young young liberals at schoolies video. Yeah, it is really part of my subconscious. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's kind of like the prequels where every quote becomes memeable canon.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: I can't think of like even just someone doing. Yeah, the way he like clenches (laughs) his fists when he talks, yeah. 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 (laughs) I was was in Surface Paradise the other week and I'm walking down the main strip towards the beach. Um, For those who don't know, (laughs) Surface Paradise is kind of, for our global listeners, yep. basically, where everyone in Queensland and Northern New South Wales goes for when they finish high school, and what happened was that there was—you
0: it reckon it's out Miami? Do you reckon yeah, sort of- yeah,
3: spring break. Think of think of spring yeah, break sort okay. of thing, and at basically the Liberal Party's young liberals, because in in Australia to rise through the political party, you basically have to be part of the young party. So, the young liberals that are probably, what, at that point, point twenty twenty one, hoping to rise. Yeah, yeah. They take their own initiative to record a video of them interviewing people at schoolies, your spring break. Yeah. Asking, so, I think
0: just like this kind of, this hub of kind of knowledge and political insight. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> severely intoxicated.
3: <laughs> using a copyrighted song <laughs> that they didn't actually have the access to. Asking them, basically, like if you have a go, should you get a go? Answer this question right now. <laughs> this really broad statement that has no policy specifics whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you, you're off. lazy, you shouldn't get government payouts. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So vote ScoMo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Smart.
0: Yeah, great clip. <laughs> and um,
3: yeah. when I saw the golden arch of Surfers Paradise, the yeah. Barclay again, you and see the Patrick Riches. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was in that Woolworths. Very good. There you go. And Patrick Riches, um stood as they began their are, I am your young liberal chair and we're at schoolies to find out what people think of this great nation I, I, I just, I've never had such a visceral reaction it. Yeah. this <laughs> triggers something I've watched for so many years it was even like I'm a huge Everton fan in football it was even bigger than going to Goodison Park to watch Everton play <laughs> 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 this is where Barclay again stood uh, yeah. wow how dare you stand where he stood <laughs>
2: nervous couple weeks for Everton as well actually
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, Paul Keating won 1993. Yeah. Crazily, he won 80 to 65. They had a gain go wow. their way. And that actually toppled John Hewson. John Hewson was replaced by a guy called Alexander Downer. And basically, the Liberal Party tried to hit Keating on cultural issues and try and make him out to be really woke. And that was their their messaging at the time. Do you remember the Marbo decision from high school? Oh, yeah. That ring any bells? Mm. So basically, it's the
0: vibe, it's Marbo, it's the constitution.
3: <laughs> well, I, I. You haven't seen the castle. I haven't seen the castle. Oh my
0: gosh, have you seen the castle? Yeah, Jenny? I've seen the castle. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah they study. It, I think dream. they study it in English now. Oh. They do, yeah do they doing like five different subjects in my school yeah, and anyway, so play on. Basically, native title secured, like native title for indigenous title, and then also the private title for whoever hold the the whoever held the property before. Native Title didn't declare which one was applicable. There's two titles. You've got Private Title, you've got Native Title. And so Keating passed the Native Title Act to secure the idea that the Indigenous people were co-managers of the land and did actually have... Basically, just kind of codified what the Native Title Act declared but didn't explicitly spell out. Mm. And then for that, John Howard hit him hard. So Alexander Downer was the leader, but he couldn't make any gains on Keating. And then they went back to John Howard. So they literally just cycled between four different leaders, with yeah. Howard getting his second go. But I would ask you what Howard's autobiography was called, do you remember? I have said it on the oh. pod before. Oh, the the Premier Who <laughs> Saved Australia, <laughs> uh. named after a biblical From character. Oh. Close, yes, very close. Same idea, same oh. same concept. Um, Lazarus, Lazarus, Lazarus Rising, Lazarus, Lazarus Rising. rising. No. <laughs> Because John Howard thought his political career was dead and he'd even admitted that he'd hit the the drink too hard after he lost leadership to Peacock the first time around. Mm. But Howard came back and then Howard ran a pretty disciplined campaign, basically going, this guy wants to get rid of the monarchy. I'll give you a referendum on whether you want to be a republic or a monarchy, but this guy wants to ditch our cultural ties. This guy... Has given what we call the Redfern speech. The Redfern speech was in 1992. It was basically Paul Keating more or less giving the apology speech before Kevin Rudd gave the apology speech, mm. yeah, saying, "We took their land. We gave them we gave them alcohol at completely unmanageable levels that, that destroyed their communities. Like we are responsible for all this damage that has happened." And
2: Howard was arguing
3: against that. Howard and so that be well. What happened was Paul Keating then actually basically launched a, more or less a commission, the Bringing Them Home report into the Stolen Generations. And from that report came the conclusion that we needed reconciliation with between yep. Indigenous Australians. So at that point, it was self-determination. That was the government policy that had begun under Whitlam, yep. i.e. live however you want. But there was no reconciliation at this point between Indigenous Australians and the government. And so that was what the report recommended that eventually came out in 1997. And so after that, then Howard was pressured to give an apology, which he refused, and Kevin Rudd eventually gave the apology. Mm. Keating's argument, again, it's kind of classic Keating, was that he more or less gave the apology back in 92. Mm. And then he he launched the report and commissioned the report that then recommended an apology. And Mm so on all those issues, Howard hits him hard and Howard actually becomes really popular Howard also promises not to institute a GST. Who instituted the GST? It wasn't Whitlam, was it? Was that no, no? So this is the, there was no GST when Howard was oh, campaigning, right. right? And he promised that he wouldn't institute it. Well, then he's it's got to be Howard. It's then Howard anyway. who institutes <laughs> it now. <Yeah. laughs> Howard had wanted it all along, but he said he'd given up on trying to convince the Liberals of it. He eventually does implement it, and so for those reasons, Howard is way popular than the previous Liberals. He doesn't pursue a GST. He hits Keating for being woke. He says, we're not going to give an apology to Indigenous Australians. Basically, he's saying political correctness has gone too far. And Mm. there's a a young Liberal candidate who's running in the seat of Oxley, who's becoming quite controversial. Any guesses as to what their name is? (sighs) Tony Abbott. Not Tony. Even more radical than Tony. Dutton. No, nah, not done. More think, think. Clive, on the right track. Pauline Hanson. Pauline Hanson. Wow. And Oxley was a was a Labor stronghold, and Pauline Hanson comes in and and effectively wins that for the Liberals in 1996. The issue is, Pauline Hanson was basically saying that Indigenous Australians deserve no government assistance at all, in any capacity. So John Howard then actually said that she's not the Liberal candidate she's an independent, we're going to run someone else. They couldn't get that, the paperwork done in time for the ticket. And so she officially won as a Liberal candidate in 96. But Howard said if she wins her seat, she will not form part of our government. And kind of she shocked everyone by winning the seat mm. of Oxley. Mm. Howard then swept to a pretty convincing major- majority, 94 to 49, back in 1996. And he would remain there for 11 years. He inher- inherited around about a $9 billion deficit that Keating had left him in. That was because Keating had put all these spending programs in place to transform the economy. Mm. And we'll pick up on that when we cover the John Howard episode a little bit later on. Mm. So what does what Keating get up to once, he's, once he calls it a day? So when Keating loses, he basically makes his annual media appearance. He doesn't write a book. His opinion was that like an autobiography is for people who just want to pat themselves in the back, and mm-hmm. he was like, "He's like, let, let your your reforms are your legacy, not your story. Let people will forget who you are, but the reforms will impact people's lives forever. That's more important than the story you tell about yourselves." Mm. He has a huge squabble with Bob Hawke because, but Bob Hawke releases his memoirs, and Keating basically accuses his his new wife. So he divorced his old wife and, and remarried in the nineties. This is Bob Hawke accused Bob Hawke's new wife of. Rewriting, rewriting it all, and trying to steal him of the credit, and so he gets in a mm. bit of a squabble with Bob. He divorces his wife, so Keating divorces Anita, and maybe after the curtsy, still uh, still tension there, yeah. <laughs> and basically, would make a, a, an appearance every 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 couple of years to comment on all the issues, yeah. It's still It was pretty. still he's, he's, he's seventy nine right now. Mm. So he's been out of, been out of office for nearly twenty five years, over twenty five years.
1: Mm.
3: And so, what what's that? Quick maths: fifty four when he retires.
0: Yeah, still got a lot of life left in him. Yeah, exactly. Mm.
3: And so he just yeah wheels himself out, makes makes a lot of comments, mm. um, goes on the seven thirty report a fair bit, mm. and he probably it was a really great voice to have an analysis because he understood it. And he's 79. He's still quite a sharp guy.
2: Mm.
3: There you go.
0: Good on you, Bob. Not Bob. Bob Paul. Paul. Good on you, Paul.
2: Thanks for
3: sharing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Put more into your super eyes, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In
2: conclusion,
3: yeah, put 15% in. You Um, can... You can fight back against John Howard's cancelling of Paul Keating Super by just putting your own Super in. Yeah. If everyone does that, we effectively make 15% Super. Will I do it? No, I'm too lazy, but you should. I think Super's
0: going up anyway. Um, but maybe put 14% in Super and then give 1% to the Patreon.
3: <laughs> <laughs> 1% of your entire salary. That is, that, that's a big Patreon money. <laughs> I was thinking like, what's our average? Sorry, average, this is a 25 to 34. So you're probably, yeah, you're, you've done your first few years in full-time work if you're university qualified. And then what's that? If, you, if you've been a Sparky for like eight years, 1% of your of your salary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just an idea. <laughs> is, um, is very, very generous. No. That's... Official finance, from his, dad, his dad does work in super. So you, you do want to listen to him. So yeah, you might get, you know,
0: 10% returns each year for the next 50 years if you put it in super, but. You worry your stories yeah. about your Canberra excursion from year six. So just think of, you know, what's a worthwhile investment. Um, I think on that note, I'm happy to leave it there. I think we should.
1: Always a pleasure.